take up the camera right here. <laughs> Do you know that I was a clapper? Really? Back in the day, I, I, when when Sam Taylor and Susie, my wife, was they were producing videos for uh, for a band called Testament. I know that band. Yeah, and uh, it's a really enjoyable day, by the way, here and uh, for twenty four hours here and practice watching twenty four hours. You know, so I was the clapper, and I needed the money. This is back when I was doing music full time, and I and you know I didn't make any money. So I, I actually was the clapper, and if you watch the video that came out on MTV, Sam left me in the video. Nice. I'm the I'm the clapper. So when you do that, it brings back a lot of really sick memories. Have that, you seen fun. my boy Dennis? He's yeah. doing such a good. He's on the TV. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's kind of old now, but he can still do his clapper. All anyway, right, sorry. Here we go. My goodness, teach like a rock star, podcast, video cast, Dennis Welch in the house. Let's get it going. Here we go. We are rolling. And yeah, hit it. It's beautiful, man. All right, here we go. Teaching a rock star podcast video cast. Before we get started, so many people to thank and, and just so much appreciation. Uh, people like Eric Jarvis, crushpad.com, crushpad studios came in here, helped us set up the sound, get it just right for Dennis today. Also, Lang Freeman from Sounds Under Radio, great band. If you don't know that band, you're listening to them right now. Their latest CD, Where My Communist Heart Meets My Capitalist Mind. <laughs> That's heavy, baby. John Fusile, smackdabmedia.com. He's awesome. Ken Tondre from kentondre.com. The Compound Music Group, also Rich Redman. Lots of inspiration and ideas from those guys. Rich, of course, with Jason Aldean. New Voice Entertainment, richredman.com. Appreciate all those guys for helping us out. And today we have Dennis Welch in the studio. So good to have Dennis. And you know what? Dennis, uh, we, we met years ago, and I'm going to tell the whole story eventually. But this is a guy who is an author, an amazing writer. He, he is, a, he is a, a book publisher and PR guru. He's the guy. And I always say that. You know, when, when you say, I've got a guy. It's usually followed by Dennis Welch because he is the guy, and um, and he is. I uh, you know I said the other day he's an idea incubator, but I've changed my mind. You know what he is? He is he's an idea obstetrician. That's what he does. He like pulls it out of you. Oh, yeah, I know that's good, it's, right? It sounds messy. Well, no, because it, it's sometimes it's a beautiful home birth of an idea where you're like in the tranquility pool and it just oozes out, and other times. You might have to do a cesarean, but we're getting it out. We're getting the idea out. It might be a little nasty, some little bloody, but it's coming out. Right. And and then and then um, he's just an awesome guy. And um, thank you, and Dennis. Welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah. So uh, trick or treating. I was here when it all started. You were. You were here in the double wide. I was teaching in the and double the wide. Double, I, was, I met you in the double wide, and there were couches everywhere and beanbag chairs and. Great ideas. We call that a classroom, my friend. Yeah, lovely. <laughs> yeah. So, Dennis, you are you have kids, grandparents. I have, uh, I have uh, actually, I have three grandchildren, mm -hmm. and 
I am about to have a fourth. Really? Uh, in January, yes. Uh, and uh, we, we think it's Olivia Lynette, which is my wife's middle name, Susie's Lynette uh-huh. Welch. And uh, so, yeah, four grandkids and uh, two two boys, two sons living here in Houston. And uh, we're we're over in Austin. So, Did you take yeah. about trick-or-treating? I did not take them out trick or treating. Do you do that? I, I, I would do that. Would you? But but I we we were in Austin and they were all here, so they all got together and went around uh, their little neighborhood and dressed up as cats and stuff. Yeah. Do you dress up? Uh, not usually. Yeah. This is it right here. You're you're yeah. seeing it. I don't do that. I, I go as an old man. <laughs> I don't do the dress up thing. You know what it is? I I find it it is um it's embarrassing. I find like I feel ridiculous. And it's humiliating, which is weird because it's the one day of the year you can wear whatever you want and not yes. feel embarrassed about. It. But I, you know what? And I thought, like in my uh, mind, can I ask you a question? Yeah. If you were, if somebody made you dress up, yeah, what, what would you be? I don't do that. I wouldn't. I refuse. You're not even going to take answer. a stand. <laughs> I take it. Let me tell you what happened. So this dates back. I thought about this because when I was a kid, and by the way, Halloween was way different because when I was a kid, you know, you left the house, you you made your costume. You got your pillowcase, right. and you went door to door. You've got pounds of candy, and there's you know now we that we walk the kids and they go up the driveway to the house. They come back. No, no. You, you run through the flowers. You jump through the bushes. You go house to house to house, and it's dark and late. And your parents have no idea, and you're eight, and who cares? You get three pounds. You have to bring them home. You dump that out. You go back and get some more, and 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 so let me. So so the costume thing. I'm. I, I can remember back when I was like. Six. This is where it starts. This is where the humiliation begins in my life. Okay. And um, is this a therapy thing we're doing? I'm, I'm going to get it out. And so, <laughs> and so, I, I can remember, you know, and I had some cool costumes. Like I remember being a robot where you like glue tinfoil to a box or whatever, and get your mom's buttons out of the jar and glue them on them. So I, I remember myself. So I'm like seven, maybe six or seven, and I'm at a Halloween party, and I'm dressed as a cat, which my mom helped me make. No, for a cat. So I'm wearing my sister's leotards, first of all. Okay. I see, you see, you see where I this see, is going? I see trouble coming. Yeah, yeah, and all these other kids are like dressed as pirates, and they have daggers and freaking swords yeah. and nunchucks, and and I'm a cat in, in leotards, <laughs> right? And it's just – it is miserably – it's horribly embarrassing. And that, and then it seems like every time I try – Something like that. That's what happens. You know, mm-hmm. like when I was in college, we went, I had a girlfriend, we went as Raggedy Ann and Andy. Yeah, that's not any good. No, because let me tell you, the cops show up <laughs> and they're getting people and I say something. He says, all right, settle down there, Raggedy Ann. Oh. I said, no, no, no. I'm, I'm Raggedy I'm, Andy, I'm my friend. Andy, right? Yeah, don't <laughs> yeah. make that mistake. Others have. Right. He was dressed up as a policeman, though, right? <laughs> yeah, it was the real deal, man. As far as I know, I don't know. Real bullets and stuff. Yeah. yeah. All right, so let's get into it. Dennis Welch, and um, we are going to talk about kids and books and writing and PR. And, and, let's, and I'll tell you what, Dennis has written a book called Rich People Shop here, and I have a copy right here, and we're going to include this link right on our website so you can check this out. And, and so, Dennis, have, have you always been a writer? Was this your thing, like growing up, or is it, or is it something that came late to you in life? You know how I, I've always been a word guy, and, and, and I, you know, I found out early on uh, that, uh, in fact, when I was four, my mother came home one day from uh, Christmas shopping, and she said uh, to my dad, she said, you know, I've been to see S-A-N-T-A-C-L-A-U-S, and I said, oh, you, you've been to see Santa Claus. And she said, well, 
how do you know that? And I said, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how I know that. And so, so they started testing me um, and took me out to the University of Houston, had IQ tests, did all this stuff I could read. So, so uh, when I started school, uh, elementary school, they were going to start me in the third grade. And my mother said, you know, no, I really wish you wouldn't do that because he already likes to play sports and I'm afraid he'll always be, you know, behind the other kids. And so, so let's start him in the first grade, but can we make any kind of arrangements for him? And so, so to her credit, Ms. McRee, our, our, our principal said, well, um, it seems kind of worthless to have him sitting in a reading circle with kids who are learning how to read. So during the reading time every day, he can go down to the, to the library. And so, so then she took me down to the library. This is so amazing. It's like, what, what a forward thinking person. Cause she didn't know what she was doing. Really. She didn't know what she was doing for me. Yeah. Um, and I don't think she did. And so, so we get down there and she said, now Dennis here along this wall, this window are all of the kids books. And so, so from first to third grade, this is the books we read, <clears throat> but the rest of the library is over here. And so during your hour here, if you want to read these books, you're welcome to read these books. But if you want to read 30 seconds over Tokyo or the Mickey Mantle story or Charlotte's web or any of that stuff, you you can read that stuff. And so in the first grade, I started reading Mark Twain and and I read 30 seconds over Tokyo, read the Mickey Mantle story, read Charlotte's web, read all this stuff. And you know that's what? like the Harry Potter of your time. It, it was, and you know what? It made me fall in love with words, and it also made me understand how powerful words are. And so, um, and so, I, one of the things I always wanted to do was I always wanted to um, uh, to write a book, and I and I talked about it, and it was on my bucket list and all that. And uh, and so, and I've always written. You know, I work I worked for the Gallup organization for a number of years. I was a staff writer for them, along with doing other things for them, and. Uh, and so this book was the, was the, to, not just to mark it off my bucket list, but because it was something I felt like needed to be, you know, needed to be written. Yeah. So. And so is it, is it, so this is your first book? It is my first book. To publish. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and I, you know, and I, I, I think I'll do more, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, but the, but the interesting thing is it's like, uh, you know, everybody's going to write a, a book. You know, if you you bump into some people in the store right. buying bread, you know that they they got a book in them. You know, but but people don't realize how complicated, how difficult it is to sit down with all those blank pages and actually get it done. And so, you know, it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. And so I, you know, I I think I know what the next book is, mm-hmm. but I I'm uh, I'm I, I'm haven't started it yet. Yeah, I'm working on it. So. And so, so when when um you were in school and you and, and you're, you're this excellent reader and you're writing and it's early and you're young, and so are, are you, and you're going through has, was that was that fostered by each teacher sequentially after that as, you know as you kind of matriculated through the grades less so less so I you know it was it was less so I, I think I, I I mean they knew that um that I that I I mean in elementary school certainly it, it was I mean, I, it was kind of like I was special there, you know. Yeah. But once I got into junior high school, nobody really cared. I mean, nobody really paid attention like that. And so, um, but but I still I still love to read. But my it was interesting because I I it waned some in that time, and uh, and I I became less interested in reading and more interested in sports and those kind of things. And I guess it's a normal reaction to have. But I but I you know it ebbs and flows, right? Yeah. But um, but it was. Um, 
No, I, you know, and I, I kind of wish they had, but I don't know if I would have loved it as much when I fell back in love with it. Um, it was, uh, it's been a lifelong affair, you know? Yeah. How do you, how do you think that? Cause you, you said you felt special in elementary school and then I kind of get squashed, you know, and it happens a lot of, but in fact, you can walk into any first grade, second grade class and you know, the kids are in art and you could say, Hey kids, who here's an artist? And all 32 hands go up, you know? Right. And but by the time you get to seventh grade, you walk into the art class. You say, "Hey, who here is the artist?" And everybody points at the one girl. She is. She's awesome. And but you know, where does that happen? Well, I, I mean, I I think it's I, I think it happens because um, uh, for, first of all, I think people sort of catch up with you. You know, by the time I mean, okay, so he can read and he's four. That's interesting. When you're eight and you can read, or you're ten and you can read, it's a little bit less interesting. It's a less remarkable. And so, uh, although my brother thought it was remarkable because he, he would, he was five years older than me. So when I went in the first grade, he was in the sixth grade and he would threaten me. He would take me around. There were two sides of the Janoski school and he would take me around to the big boy side and he would gather all these guys around. He would say, okay, Dennis, do it, do it for him. Do, uh, do spell anti-disestablishmentarianism for him. And he would stand back like, <laughs> You know, and that's something. Check out my freaky little brother. Amazing. (laughs) And so I would spell anti-disestablish knowing that if I didn't, I'd get beat up when I got home. But, you know, it it was uh, so he he thought it was special. But by the time I got into, into, you know, junior high school, I mean, it's like, okay, so so you like to read. Big deal. You know, I mean, there wasn't there wasn't that. um, uh, And and I think here's the other thing is I I think that, you know, uh, 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 creativity like that. You know, we all do one thing better than 10,000 other people. We all do, yeah. you know, and sometimes it's creative things. And sometimes it's it's uh, the ability to look at a problem and solve it or 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 whatever that is. You know, the, the, the tragedy to me is that it's not that there's a there's a time where where people uh, uh, point to the to the artist because it might be true. I mean, it mm-hmm. might be true that they're the artist and they get that. The problem is, is that you've got a whole room full of people pointing who have no idea what it is they're supposed to do. And so, you know, I, I think it's, you know, I worked for the Gallup organization for uh, 13 years, and <clears throat> they do this study every year uh, that asks at work, I get to do what I do best every day. The strengths finder. The strengths finder. And only 20% of people, Hal, by their own admission, that, that's probably a fudged number. Yeah. It's probably much higher than that because who's going to say – when I ask you, you get to do what you do best every day, who's going to say no to that? Right. No, I really am. I'm in a job I suck at. Right. I mean, that's, that's, that's not going to happen. So, yeah. so that number probably is artificially higher. So that means you have at least 80% of people who are not getting to do what they do best every day. Why? Because most people have no idea what the one thing is they do better than 10,000 other people. Now, that's a tragedy. Yeah. To me, that's, that's you know, I get out of high school and, and I don't have any idea what I do better than somebody else. And you know, in the, in, you know, in the workplace, you know, I mean, I think we're already kind of programmed to just do whatever we're told. Cause that's, you know, in fact, there's a great book by Robert Kiyosaki. I recommend it to everybody. It's called, if you want to be rich and happy, don't go to school. And it talks about this concept of, of the programming that happens, you know, where just do what you're told. Mm-hmm. Don't make mistakes. If you do, you're going to get counted off. 
Don't don't collaborate. That's called cheating. Don't don't collaborate. You right. sit in single file rows and columns and do what you're told. And and what and still it's that assembly line worker that we're trying to create. But what happens is they get into the workplace and and not only is that is that creativity stifled, but in addition to that, they they have never been in a situation where they have even approach the idea of what 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 is it do I do best because I just do what I'm told mm-hmm. and I just and I follow the same program as 500 seniors I'm, you know in the senior class we all go along the same line and you might play football or be in the choir but that's about it right you don't go too far afield and and which is ironic if you think about it that we live in a culture that honors uh, diversity it says you know what you know how to really make this work let's have diversity but diversity doesn't work if I'm sequestered which is what I am, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I don't, I don't ever get to talk, spend time with you and find out what it is that you know that I don't know that might help me because I'm, because I'm, I'm marching here and I'm marching along beside you and we're, the dirge music is playing and we're just trying to get this stuff done, Yeah, you know, and, and it carries over. And now the problem of course is in the workplace is that, you know, you've got a whole group of people showing up that are saying, you know what, I, I'm, I'm just not going to, I'm just not going to do it that way. I, I'm, I'm not going to work like that. That's a problem. That's a problem too. Yeah, yeah. You know, now, I mean, you know, and, 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 and yet if you ask those people, well, so you're not going to do it this way. So what is it that you do that's so miraculous that you could maybe go off and start your own company or whatever? And you know what? They, they have no idea. They have no idea what that is. I, I'm going to be working on a, uh, doing the PR on a book that's coming out in February called finding work when there are no jobs. It's remarkable it's a it's it's one of the one of those books that Mm -hmm. i think will be special and and he actually uh uh talks about work and jobs as two completely different things he says look you know j-o-b okay go get a job somewhere that's the that's the plotting that's getting through the day that's just doing what you're told to do and all that he said but you know the fact is is that all of us have some sort of magic that we can do he goes, you know, the guy who repairs my, my electricity in my house, when things start to smoke, he comes in and takes a little metal plate off and he, he fixes it. I, I would pay that guy. He'll always have a job, you know, but he figured out that's what he does best and he's really good at it. Or somebody who works on your car. I, I, you know, I used to work on cars a lot when I was younger, but I can't work on a car anymore. But when I take it in and somebody does that, it's amazing that this guy can do this. He, he can hear a car. He can listen to a car and tell you what's going on inside of it, like right. a, like a doctor, like a you know a uh, you know uh, Doctor DeBakey, you know. And so so uh, is that special? Absolutely, it is. And so you know, I, I think we I think we have to fix that somehow. And I don't. And I've always been blessed with people around me, thankfully, especially a wife who says, "Look, you know, is this what you think you're supposed to be doing? Is this what you're called to do? Is this what your gift is? Is this what you're leaning into? You know what?" I'm with you. I'll encourage you. I'll stand beside you, help you figure out how to do more of this and all that. But I I don't know that everybody's in that situation. I think a lot of people, I mean, they think they're crazy Yeah. when they come in and say, Hey dad, you know, I I know you want to be a plumber, but I hear music. I I hear this. I hear songs. I hear, I hear lyrics and things while I'm driving around. I mean, that's a little bit of insanity for most people. Yeah. And then, and then having the courage not just internally, but but also a support system to go do that. And you know, even for me, you know, I, I, you know, I was teaching, and um, you know, we started. You know, I started speaking to schools, and I, I just, I just had this passion for sharing information. I was learning from other teachers, and and kind of exponentially make an impact by by sharing that with even more teachers who could go back and change their classrooms. And and um, and you know, I had an opportunity to um, 
to to leave the classroom to go do that. But what it really took it, you know, you know, it was my wife too, who really, you know, said, you know, this is something that, you know, that you have to do. And I, you know, and we, and we set a date and I was going to go into the principal's office and, and resign. And then I, and then I, re- I remember walking, I was standing outside the door and, uh, and, you know, I, I, and I was about to go in. I said, just, just one second. I went back out and I called my wife on the phone. I said, Hey, you, you about to, re- I'm about to be unemployed. You get that, right? And she said, "You get your ass in there. You get and you quit." Right, and, I, right, right. and I went back in there. I did it again. I said, "One, one, one, one." And I called her back, and she said, "You get in and, and call me when it's done." And I went in, I, and then I went in there, and I sat down, and I like started to well up with tears. And the principal, she started to cry, and she said, "You're going to leave us, aren't you?" And I said, "Yes." And then we hugged and cried, and then and that was, but you, but without someone reassuring you along the way. Right. That kind of encouragement, though. And, I, and I, what, what's really interesting to me is how rare that is. Yeah. That there, there are so many people in the world who, who we don't know what they would do. We, we don't know how great the world would be. Uh, and they don't have anybody in their circle to say, is that really what you're thinking? You know what? Let's give, let, just go, go try. You know, to me, th- there's, a lot, there's a lot of things worse than failure. You, you know, t- regrets are a thousand times to me worse than, than failure because, you know, I don't want to get old, older, I'm already old, but when I don't want to get old and go, you know what? I could have done that. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I know people like, I know guys like that, especially, I don't know a lot of women like that, but I know guys like that who say, you know what? I could have done that. I could have been a contender kind of thing. Right. And you know what? They, they, they look, they constantly live back in that moment when they had that moment, when they stood outside the principal's office and said, you know what? We, I, I should go in and I should take a flyer and I should just try this. I mean, you know, it's not the end of the world if you if you fail. To me, failure is is not trying, and um, and you know, and I mean, think about the power of just one person in your life saying, "Hal, you know what you're called to do, buddy. Just stop. Just go get it done," kind of thing. And it's you know, it, it, it's in, in some ways, people like that change the world, and and you never hear of them, yeah. you know, because people see you. You're the visible face of what you do and all that. But, 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 you know, the results of what you do are because one person said, Hal, go do what you're called to do. Get out there and do this. I mean, think about that. How many times has that happened? Yeah, it's huge. Yeah. And what it is, I think for, you know, a lot of people, you know, where I'm like you, the fear of the regret is, you know, it tips the scale more for me rather than embarrassment or, you know, fear of failure. And I think for most people, it tips it the other way where they're really more afraid of it, what, what their family's going to say or what friends are going to think if they did this or did. And, and so that they just never try. They stay in that same place with that pain all those years. Yeah. And, and that's the 80%. And, and you, you know, you think about the toll that that is taking on people. You know, if you've ever tried one time when I was when I was uh, right before Susie and I married, I, I had a job. Uh, I was a sales trainee at a at a paper company, and this was before computers were real big and all that. So this was a long time ago, and uh, and they had something they had a wall sized thing <clears throat> called a Cardex. And I always think about this when I think about people doing something that they just totally can't do. And so you know what a Cardex is? No. Okay, of course you don't, because because it's because it's, it's there were Model A's and cranks back then. But anyway, uh, it's a wall size uh, thing, wooden thing. Okay, and it has these little tiny drawers that pull out, and they have pieces of paper on them. And so I and it sat in between all of the salespeople at the paper company. Okay, so 
they, that guy sells something on the phone. He sells 500 sheets of paper. He hands me the deal. I have to go, I have to hunt along the wall and find, you know, that particular kind of paper because there were a thousand different kinds of paper. It was, it was a nightmare. And so at the end of every day, I would have a big stack like this, you know, an inch looked like a Webster's Unabridged Dictionary. <clears throat> and I would stay until nine or 10 o'clock at night. And then I would get up the next morning, be there at five o'clock. My eyes were popping out and I never caught up. I did it for three weeks. And finally they fired me because right. I sucked. <laughs> Okay. They sacrificed and, you. I mean, they, you know, yeah. it was terrible. And, and so, you know, I, when I think about people going in and it killed me, I was, I was sick, man. I felt bad for three weeks. I, I couldn't sleep. I, I dreamed about this Cardex. I mean, it was just the worst. It was a nightmare. And I think, you know what? There are people doing that every single day, Hal, that go in every day because nobody has gone, come and rescued them like your wife did you right. and said, what are you doing? You know what? You're Haven't you heard yourself sing? Haven't you heard, haven't you seen what you write? Why don't you try to be an author? You know, haven't you haven't you ever seen how people react when you get up and speak? I mean, because there's nobody there to rescue them. They go and they work on the cardex all day and night, and then you know, and then they 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 can't stay married. They they don't have any great relationships. Right. Oh, and they're kind of sick too. Sometimes they don't feel good. Uh, you know, I mean, it, the impact is enormous. And then and then add to that the economic impact of people being basically unproductive i mean i i I, listen i spent three weeks on the cardex it's the least productive time of my life and you know and no but finally they rescued me they fired me which is what they should have done exactly (laughs) it's the best thing that happened the best i I left i danced my way out of the place yeah you know and you know what you know i'm thinking back and you were there right right when all that was going on for me because what it was is i was uh at the high school teaching school and um and I and I had my mentoring program. I taught pals and it was all my I had all seniors and we would go to elementary schools and each one of my seniors had a little buddy, a little mentee that we would call. We were the mentors or the mentees and we would uh and they would mentor those children and you know and, and those kids, we only gave them one assignment. You know what I would say is you know, you have you have one you have one assignment this year and it is to change that kid's life. That's your whole job. Mm-hmm. And we would go to these uh, uh you know, these elementary schools and there's a school that we would go to and, and well in front of every school before we would go in, I'd get these kids fired up because you gotta get in the right emotional state and get all that junk that you're struggling with because this next forty minutes is not about you, it's about this kid. So it's we would get fired up, we'd stand outside the doors, we'd high five, we'd hug each other, tell each other we love each other, and then we'd go into the school. And every and there's one school that we would go into and we would go right by the front office there, and there's that the, you know the POC, the point of contact. There's a beautiful little lady there, wonderful smile, and she would wave to us, and all the kids would wave back at her, and she was just awesome. And she, I don't know if it was she was watching us outside get fired up or why she was so excited. She's just excited and happy. I don't know. And we would always, and then we'd start playing jokes on her, and we we had a great time. And one day I'm leaving the school, and I'm coming past the counter, and she says, "Hey, let." Me, let me ask you a question. And um, I was like, well, first of all, who are you? And she said, well, my name's Susie. And I said, okay, I'm Hal. And she says, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm, I'm the, <laughs> I'm the pal sponsor here. I'm a teacher. She goes, no, no, I'm talking about in addition to this. I said, nothing. She goes, sure. Yes, you do. You do something. I said, well, uh, well, yeah, I guess, you know, I, I, I go around to schools. I talk to teachers and I do a little speaking thing I got going on. She goes, I thought you, she goes, you need to meet my husband. You need, you need to talk to Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "All right, if you say so." And so, um, and that, and so, we, she made the connection, and um, and again, so there she is, 
Right, right, and see that spotting so, something, spotting something, and so so here here's so so if you if you had a room full of the eighty percent, and you said, and they said, help me, rescue me from this, okay, what would be the first thing? I mean, to me, the first thing would be you have to know that when you go out, there has to be safety. I mean, you have to know when you go out and try this thing that you can come home. You can you can start over again. You haven't you didn't lose any ground with me. I love you anyway. Okay? Mm. I'm okay with that. I'm 10 times happier with you trying that than I am you not trying it. You know, or, or friends or people in your circle, you know, pay attention to what people tell you. When people say how, you know, what else do you do? That's a sign, man. That's a that's a sign to 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 ponder what else you do because somebody who doesn't even know you is watching you and saying you are really special. What else do you do? And you know what? Most people don't have any idea what that, the answer to that is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you probably didn't even know exactly at the time what it was. Mm-mm. But, you know. What, I had to come up with something, though. She wouldn't let it go. Right. And listen, what <laughs> happens is she does the same thing with me, by the way. But, you know, what, what happens is, is that this thing that you're built to do, you know, it morphs into a lot of different things if you let it, if you get out there and you work with it and you need it, and all of a sudden it turns into this, you know, something beautiful. And and it may not be exactly what you thought it was going to be, but it still turns out to be something great. And I, you know, I, I mean, I, you know, I, I've done it, I've had several permutations of that operation. So I've had, you know, I've had, you know, singer, songwriter, I've had, you know, author, um, uh, now I'm in the PR business, and you know what? None of it was wasted. I mean, I use every day in my work, I use the the stuff that I learned when I was an independent recording artist, where I had to call the TV station here in Houston and say, you don't know me, but you know what? You Let me send you some stuff, and I'll, and I'll send a press kit and a blah, 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 you know, a record or whatever, and you know, you need to have me on, on, the, on your morning show, and they would. Yeah. They would have me on their morning show or, or the Houston Post would run a half a page article about uh, a, a new record coming out by this guy. And, and I'm I'm nobody. Right. But but I learned how to do I learned how to do that. And you know what? That that was not wasted. The, the, that morphed into what I do every day now where I'm this is my job now. My job is to call on your behalf as an author and, and get people to have you on their morning show. And I'm really comfortable doing that. And you know why? Because because back there right. when it was a crazy idea, what the heck is this guy doing? He's going to be on TV. I mean, I, you know, I mean, if my father died in 1978, but but he, he might have died all over again, over and over again, if I'd ever gone to him. My dad didn't dream like that. Yeah. You know, I mean, he was, a, he was th- that generation of people, you didn't talk about dreaming. You just, you just get out. You went and, to work, you got a good job, and the company's going to take you care just, of you. You don't go in and yeah. say, Dad, I'm going to try to get on television. What? <laughs> That's, that, the sound would have been that. It would have been silence, right. you know? I mean, it would have been complete shock, and then he would have been gone. So, you know, so so some of it is is just starting the process. Sure. Starting the process, being unafraid, and having at least one person in your circle who will say, let me walk with you on this, Hal. I'm with you. You can do this. And, and you know, and look, at the end of the day, it might not work exactly the way you started out to make it work, but there'll be something great that comes out of it. Yeah. And, and the other thing is, is you can live the rest of your life and go, you know what, I tried that. It didn't work. I mean that you know for me for me that the 
you know the story. You know, I, I you know, I had had did two records. Uh, you know, I was I didn't even play an instrument when I was growing up. I, I didn't even care about playing an instrument. I didn't even you know I liked playing the radio, and all of a sudden I'm writing songs and stuff. And so, so you know, when I finished the second record, KLOL here played. Man of Steel five times a day for three months. And we sold a lot of records. And all of a sudden there was all this interest. And I got a little independent record deal. And then there's major label people sniffing around and all that. And um, and then, you know, the my, my Waterloo was when I went out. Uh, King's X went out with um, Billy Squire and a mm-hmm. band called Blue Murder. Mm-hmm. And I saw that tour. And did you really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, well... Uh, I wasn't on it, by the way, because I, I only lasted three weeks. And uh, I flew to Minneapolis, and I got my credentials, and I started this circus. And we were—I was driving a—I was driving a, a truck that had uh, a governor, so you could only go fifty-five on flat ground, which meant on hills and stuff you could go twelve. <laughs> right. And there were no cell phones, and the, the bus was driving off and leaving me. I had no idea where we were going and all that. My kids were little. You know, and I, and so I, you know, I was calling home every night and talking to them. They were crying on the phone with me. I, it was miserable. Right. And I, so after three weeks, I said, you know what? I, I, I called Sam Taylor and the manager for King's X. And I said, you know what, man, I'm, I can't do this. I just can't do it. And he said, you know what? He goes, that's good. That's good that you can't do it. He goes, you know, so sometimes when you're climbing the ladder of success, it's against the wrong wall. But look, you know what? You're a fine songwriter. Don't stop doing that, but come home and figure out what you're going to do. Well, you know what? That was not wasted. You know, that that felt like failure at the time, but it wasn't a failure. It, it was, you know what? I never looked back romantically at it. You mm-hmm. know, I went to work and did something else, and I've been able to do a whole lot of other things that came out of that. But it's all creativity at the end of the day. For me, that's really what it's about. Yeah. And you know what? That, that Every bit of that came from just taking little baby steps in the right direction. And, you know... Sometimes there's a there's a there's a brick wall there, sure. But you know what? I, I'd ten times rather get to a brick wall and to find alternatives that are similar that 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 make me happy and that give me a chance to change the world a little bit than to than to sit around at seventy five and go, you know how I could have done some stuff, but I, I just I didn't want to take any chances. Yeah, I, I don't want to live like that. You know, and that's the thing. You know, what I tell people because you know I, I talk to a lot of teachers who also want to do some sort of professional development thing, and they have and have great ideas. And I tell them everything I can possibly tell them, and then when we part ways, I say, "Listen, I'll work as hard as you work." And what I mean by that is, you know, we they they have to you have to get up every day and and do something little. Yep. Just get it moving in the right direction. Just start something. Because when I did this, I would go into work and I, you know, because I was teaching full time and I, I knew I had this idea in my mind that I want to put together. And so I thought to my, and I, I'm teaching, I got kids and my, my wife worked all afternoon. So let me ask you a question though. I'm going to yeah. interrupt you. When, when, how long, first of all, when did you ha- have the glimpse? Mm-hmm. Hey, I should be doing something else. When did you, when did that start to just begin to settle in? And then how long after that, before you said, I got to at least in a part-time way while I'm doing other things, I got to start moving that way. I have to. Yeah. You know, I don't know. And because the whole thing kind of came to me instead of me going, it's very different than I think a lot of people, you know, a lot of people have an idea and they start moving in that direction. And for me, I didn't really have the idea. It kind of came to me where I would, I had a, um, I had a prince, uh, well, she was an assistant, she was actually the uh, director of instruction. Her name is Barbara Crook, and she'll be on the show here as well at some point. And um, 
and she was the director of instruction. She was a big fan of my class and me and was just super supportive and all. And I, and I had, you know, at the, at the time I had some, you know, um, what other people might consider real challenging kids, but we would do, we just, we're doing great, great things in the class. And she would come to class and visit, you know, not, not doing like a formal teacher observation thing, but just to hang out and check in and say hi. And, um, she was awesome. And we, and, and eventually we, and we did great things in that school together. And then she went to become a principal at another school. And when she became a principal, the, uh, at the, she said, Hey, um, when we get the next school year started, will you come over and talk to my teachers and tell them what you do and how you do it. And I said, yeah, no problem. It'd be awesome. And then, so I went home this summer and then, you know, a few weeks go by, I started thinking about that. And I said, well, let me put some ideas together. And I never really stopped to think like, how do you do what you do? Because when it's your thing, you you never think you just do it, you know, it just kind of flows. And I, I never really thought about how I do it. I knew I was doing a good job. I knew I had some success. I knew kids loved it and loved the class. And we had this family that we would create in the classroom, but I never really stopped to think, how do I do that? And it forced me to kind of stop and do step by step. Well, what is really, what's really happening? And you know, what is in my mind when I'm greeting kids at the door and how do I do that? And, and, and not just the activity, the, the, the physiology of it, but what's the emotion of that? And so I had to put all this stuff together and I went to her school and, uh, and I think she asked me to speak for like 30 minutes and I ended up going on for like two hours or something, you know, and, and told jokes and was anecdotal and yet, you know, content rich. And, and we had this whole thing and it was wonderful. And, then other principals started calling. And, hey, I heard you did a thing over at Thornton. Can, can you come to my school? And it kind of steamrolled from there. But there was a point where I thought, you know what? I, I, th- I think I can create something out of this. Mm-hmm. But it was, always, it, was, it was already kind of going for me. You know, things were already yeah. happening unbeknownst. You know, I shouldn't say uh, uh, uncalculated and, and right. you know, not contrived really at this point. Right. The flow of things coming out of you like that, you know, it's, it, and that to me, that's another sign is, you know, uh, it, I, I would guess that you were energized by that experience. Oh yeah. That it was two hours and it went like that. You know, when, th- when time passes quickly like that, that's another way to know, you know, this is something I really, you know, this is something I really, should be doing i should do more of this you know and and i don't think it has to be you know i don't think it always has to be a job i don't think it has to be there has to be an economic benefit i mean there 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 might not be any economic benefit from doing it but does that mean you shouldn't do do that part of yourself that's that that flows out of you that energizes you that probably makes you healthier and love life better and all that you absolutely should i i mean that that's the you know, we, we, we are, we're so linear here, you know, we, 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 everything's got to have an ending and, you know, it's got to, so what's the bottom line here? That's what we ask. Right. right? And the bottom line is, you know, that you, you should leave me alone and let me do what I'm supposed to be doing. That's the bottom line. And you know what? And if, and if I need your help, I'm going to ask you, I want you to jump in and help me. But you know, uh, there doesn't have to be an economic benefit to me to do it. And uh, even volunteering or, or, you know, doing art or doing music even, you know, I mean, we, we, that's the first thing people ask when I wrote the book. You know, people still do it. I mean, they pick up the book and go, so how, this, how's it doing? You know, how's it doing? Well, I'll tell you how it's doing. I, I'm, I'm getting letters from people who say, I never even thought about forgiving my brother-in-law. I mean, you know, he's an asshole. You know, and I and I, I, I and I was going to hold a grudge the rest of my life, and then I read this and found out you don't have to do that. You gave me license not to do that, so so I called him up and told him I loved him, 
you know, I, so give me a number. Yeah. You know, what's the economic benefit of that? There's there's no economic benefit to that. But but is there benefit? Is it does it has value? Of course it does. And so, you know, that you have to almost take that out of the equation and say, I mean, it's it's okay to create systems that make money and all those things. But that can't be one. That can't be step one. Step one is figure it out. Figure out what it is that you do. And it, you know what? And then do a lot of that and figure out how to do a lot of it. And then if it turns out that there's money there, fantastic. But but I but I think you know, because I've seen people do what you've done, Hal, and I and I and I admire you, you know, that very much. And and you know, the 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 world has changed a little because of you. And and I think that's what causes the world to change is us doing the things that we're really built to do. I think that's 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 just the right thing to do. And, and I and, and not and don't put any kind of caveats on it. Just yeah. do it. Just go do it. And you know that's really what you did. I mean, you figured out the systems and you 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 do more of it. And now it's a it's a there's a business model for it supposedly. But you know, but that's not the point. I mean, right. it, 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 you know, it supports you so that you can go do make a difference in the world. That's that's what it's really about. You know what, man, the way I look at it is I think there's there's things that we want to do and there's things that we have to do. Mm-hmm. And you know, this my teaching a rock star thing for me and you writing books like this, it's it's what we have to I mean, I don't want to confuse it. Of course I want to do it, but it's deeper than that. Right. I it's you know, I think it's far as whatever the universe, how whatever you want to, it's it's something that I have to do. Right. I can't not do it. I can't sit by myself and think I, I would, I, I have to go out there. I have to do it. And you know what? And sometimes we have 300 people in the audience. Sometimes there's 35 and it doesn't matter to me. No, they're, they're getting the same thing. And I'm going to get up there and I'm going to cry. I'm going to sweat. I'm going to stutter and stammer. I'm going to get excited. And, and you know, what? It, it, and it doesn't, it, it's because I have to do that right. to feel good about who I am as a person. And, and here's the thing. I, I, I would, I would say that most people, not most people, all people have something like that. Yeah. I mean, if you gave people truth serum and somehow you could get to that and figure out what in the world that is, you know, uh, uh, everybody has something like that, you, you know, and, and, uh, and, and I, I think we're richer. The, the, the world's better. You're better. Your family's better. I mean, your kids are watching you go out and do this thing and think of the impact on your children. You know, that I, I thought of that a lot. I've always, you know, always have thought deeper probably than I need to, frankly, you know, sometimes. And, you know, and I always thought about my kids. I'm thinking I got two sons that are watching me and, you know, I don't want them to be afraid, yeah. you know. Well, you know what? They're not. And, and you know what? They're they're entrepreneurial and they're 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 uh, they're idea guys and and all this stuff that. I think came from watching somebody go do it and not be afraid of going and doing it. And not that there wasn't fear. I mean, look, you know, I have, I don't know about you, but my light company wants, you know, they want cash. Okay. <laughs> and they want it every month. They don't want my goodwill. Right. You know, if you say, man, listen, I'm changing the world, you know I mean? They're going to say, yeah, well, yeah, we well, got to change the world in the dark okay? yeah. because we're not, we're not running electricity to you anymore, you know? So, so you have to make a living, but, and so, yeah, there's a little fear factor there. But you know what, but the, but the, but that's not, you know, you, you step over that and you go anyway, um, that, you know, that's, it's powerful. And you know, I, I, I tell you what I get fired up about at one point in the teaching a rockstar, um, event, you know, I talked to teachers about 
what do you really want for your kids? You know, I say, you know, you're, 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 I don't, you know, whatever you teach, whether it's art or fourth grade or band or geometry, that's the vehicle. Using that vehicle, what do you want for your kids forever? And, you know, the, the, I just hear these amazing things. And the one that I just, I get so inspired and it kind of gives me chills and goosebumps every time is this teacher sits there and says, you know what? I want them to be able to find their passion. I sure I teach sophomore English. But I'm using that as the vehicle for these kids to realize that they, 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 there's something within them that they're passionate about. And I'm going to model what that looks like as I stand before that class every day and teach and teach from my soul. And, and for those kids that have that person in their life. You know, it's it's such a it's such a, a, a such an important role, man. Because mm-hmm. I mean, I'm convinced they're not getting anywhere else, and and I've done that so I don't miss them. You know, you know what I mean? Sure, I'm sure they have a great youth minister and an awesome parent here or there. But what I do in my mind is I set it up so I I convince myself that these kids have nobody except for me. Because that, because that, because what I say is, you, you never really know what's going on in somebody's house. That kid might have a cute little outfit, you know, from Target, the Marona line, and her scrunchie matches her tights, and she looks great, and is on the drill team, or goes to Girl Scouts, and but you know what, you never really know what that kid's going through at home, and, and so I, I, I set that up in my mind so that way I don't miss them. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you, I would say you're you're right, probably more than you're wrong, which is kind of sad yeah. that that there's. That, that, you know, we've been blessed, you know, we have, we have some people in our circle who, who have been encouragers. You know, my grandmother was an encourager, you know, I, my, my parents were, you know, I love my mother. She's amazing. And my dad was an amazing person, but you know, they, they were busy getting through every day. They weren't like rah, rah people. And, you know, and so, uh, my, my grandmother was that, and you know, she made me believe so I had one person sometimes just one. Yeah. You know, and, and so if I only, if I only had one and I, I was in, I, I had a pretty stable family life, there's a ton of people who don't have one person, not one. And I, you know, what a, what a tragedy that is that, uh, you know, the unfulfilled, um, uh, potential of people that, you know, if anything pains me in the world, it's that, you know, is that there are people sitting out there who are who are never going to do the greatness that they have within them because nobody they don't have one person to say, you know. So you are that person to them. That's uh, and that's that's a part of why I love what you do is because it's really really important. You know, it's it's uh, any time people get out and do the thing they're called to do, it's really important. You, you know, we 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 artificially place importance on it. You know, he sold a million records or he hit the bestseller, New York Times bestseller list, and that must really be important. No, it's important because you're doing the thing you're called to do, period. And if there's one person sitting out there or there's a, you know, a stadium full of people, it's still the same. I think it's the same important. It doesn't matter anymore. And and, and to, to artificially do that makes the guy who has one feel bad about what he's doing. You mean mine's not as valuable as his? Absolutely it is. I mean, but you know that's a probably a crazy idea. But right, well, you know what? We, we, I was doing the mentoring program, and it was that same year where I, I met your wife and had this girl, and she would walk. And I, I was she, we, we would come off the bus and go into the school, and she would hold up her notebook, and I always hear like looking at her notebook, and she had like the clear overlay on it on the binder, and um, and we'd go to the next school the next day, and she'd always do that, and I always and then finally one day she's talking to her pally, her mentee, and I walk past and I look on the cover notebook and and she has that saying on there where it says, um, 
to the world, you might be just one person, but to one person, you just might be the world. Mm -hmm. And she would read this thing every day, 10 seconds before she meet with her pally and give him a big hug. And I thought, my goodness, what, what? I mean, she gets it. She's like 17. And this girl is on a whole different level of consciousness, man. It was just, it's just amazing. It is what changes the world, I think. And, you know, and I, and I, I want to do, I just had this, um, uh, you, you know, uh, Adam Science, yeah, and Adam, uh, the power of a teacher, power of a great teacher. book, and you know, and so we were trying to get, and you know, I'm doing the PR on that book, and we were doing some work, I just, you know, and it was just like everybody was asleep, yeah, and then you know, one day I sent a note to to Arianna Huffington, and I said, you know what, I got a great story for you, and you know, and by the way. I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to do work that's just work. I don't want to have people sign, I don't want to sign clients who are just clients. I want to sign people who are doing something. I want to work with people who are doing something that matters. And, you, you know, it's, uh, I don't even care what the economic benefits are to either one of us. You, you know, I mean, I want to do things that matter. And, and it's just, you know what, those kind of things are, are, are still remarkable. They have, they have value that lasts beyond us. And I think that's what you're doing, by the way, so. Nice. You already knew that, but I don't know, man. Sometimes I'm grinding out on the road. I'm sitting on the airplane, staring out the window at two in the morning. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, what no, am no, I nobody doing? said it was going to be easy. Uh, it's just, it's just that's the funny thing. For those six hours on stage, man, it is easy. It's yes, awesome. It I'm yep. just, I do my thing, yep. but you know, the other eighteen hours, that, that there's there there lies the problem. There's right. the challenge. And so for you in school, in go going through your. Um, 12, 13, 15 years she spent there in the school system. <laughs> right. So it was, was there, was, was there a teacher that you can think back? Cause I, I believe everybody has this person and some people, it takes them a while to come up with it, but you know, so many people have, I, I know for me, if you know, I can be in the grocery store and I'll, and, uh, and I'll, somebody walk by and I can smell the, smell the perfume and I can say, Oh, I, I had that teach third grade, <laughs> you know? And so, right. yeah. And that was, that was Miss Roner. And so, um, so who 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 was it for you? If you could think back of all the teachers that you had, is there is there one that comes to mind that um, really was there for you emotionally and supported you and and believed in you? You know how there's a yes, absolutely, yeah, Dorothy Wilson. Okay, Dorothy Wilson, and you know what, Dorothy Wilson was an angel sent from heaven. Okay, in my, I mean, I'm telling you, it, it was it. The reason I'm doing the things I'm doing now. Dorothy Wilson had almost everything to do with that. And she was a, it was an interesting time for me. I was raised in a, in kind of blue collar, um, um, you know, North side Houston, uh, kind of segregated world that I lived in. And, you know, we were, uh, and I had some stupid kind of bigoted ideas about, you know, people who weren't like me. Okay. And I thought everybody should be like me and fancy that. Right. And so, uh, so we, we, I was, I had a, uh, I guess it was a government class or so. I don't even know what the class was, but, but I had a black teacher and, uh, and, uh, he all of a sudden didn't show up and he just didn't show up. He, he, he was just gone. And <clears throat> so they sent Mrs. Wilson in to, uh, to be uh, his successor. Okay. And she was a substitute originally. So she showed up, and she's a really large black woman, and uh, and she came in, and she sat down in her chair, and she said, "Okay, <clears throat> boys and girls, you know, I was in like the eleventh grade, 
I'm not a boy. I'm not a. I'm not a boy. I'm. I'm a man. You know. <laughs> yeah, you and are. So I thought, right? Uh-huh. And so she said, "This this week is going to be Black History Week, and uh, so we're going to study Black History. And you know, anybody have any questions about that?" And I was a smart aleck, so my hand shot up, and I said, "Well, yeah." I said, "You know, I I I do have. A, I, I got a question." I said, "You know, when when's going to be uh, White History Week?" And she said, well, I'll tell you what, she goes, if you'll step outside in the hallway, um, what's the name again? I said, Mr. Welch is Dennis Welch. And she said, step out in the hallway, Mr. Welch, and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll let you know when, when we'll, we'll talk about white history week. But what I didn't know uh, was that she was a trial lawyer. She had multiple degrees. She, she was, she had more, uh, education and knowledge in her, in her thumbnail than I had in my whole ridiculous bigoted body. Right. And so we step out in the hallway, and this woman starts to dress me down, Hal, and I'm not honest to God. I, I've never felt smaller. I was just about, you know, just a, a, a speck of dust on the ground when she was done with me. And she said, now, let me tell you what you're going to do. You're not coming back in my class. She said, you're going to go down to the library, and you're going to check out Black Like Me. You're going to check out blah, blah. She went through this whole thing with me. I mean, and she said, you're going to go down, you're going you're gonna, to, you're gonna, and tomorrow, you're going to come in here, and you're going to do a report, and you're going to tell me while we're having Black History Week. So I went down, and I, nobody had ever challenged me like that. Nobody had ever exposed me to that stuff. I never heard the other side, knew nothing about it, thought I knew everything, right? So I go, and I read these books, and they broke my heart. And I, I, wrote, this, I wrote this presentation, and I went back in the next day, and I gave this heartfelt presentation to all the other bigoted white boys in there right. and told them, you know what? Hey, guys, you know what? We are wrong, okay? We're wrong. We're wrong. We've been wrong. And I, you know what? I don't know where I got this information, but I can tell you something. This is wrong. And you know what? So that's my presentation. Thanks a lot. Blah, blah, blah. Well, when it was over, you know, at the end of the class, she called me over and she said, can I ask you a question? And she said, what, what are you planning on doing with your life? And I said, well, uh, my daddy's a machinist and I'm going to probably run an engine lathe. That's what I'm going to do. And she said, well, I think that's a horrible, that's not the answer I'm looking for. She goes, that presentation right there, she goes, I can't believe you went home with just those books just last night and you were able to put that kind of presentation together. She said, you know what? You should be going to Harvard. She said, you should be going to Yale. She goes, you should be doing something special. And she said, she said you know what? Whoever has told you you can't do something special is wrong. Because you, you, you've, what she didn't know was that somebody had told me that I was special, but I had forgotten it. Yeah. Right? And so, so here was somebody reminding me, you know what? You are not like other people. You're different, you know, and everybody, and you know what? The great thing about that, Hal, is everybody is, everybody should have that sermon delivered to them, right? And so she said, look, you you have to go, you have to go to college. And she said, look, if you want to learn more, she said, I'm willing to give you, I'm willing to work with you, okay, and help you get caught up because you're not caught up. You're, 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 uh, you're way behind, you know, you've taken shortcuts. And so, so it's time to stop taking shortcuts. So, I'm going to give you a reading list tomorrow when you come in. She gave me Plato's Republic and all this stuff. I was like, I, you know, for an in, guy who's going to run an engine lathe, I mean, Plato's Republic, come on. And so anyway, at the end of my junior year, I, I was hoping she'd come back, you know, because she had really been amazing. And she did come back, and I took a, some kind of history class from her in, in uh, my senior year. And she is the reason— that I went to college and I went up going to University of Houston. I, I was a golfer and I had some potential golf scholarships and some things around that I, I had, I didn't do any of those. I wanted to stay home. I wanted to go to school. 
uh, with my friends. We're going there. And so I started going to University of Houston. And so the reason I have a college degree, the reason I, I, I learned how to listen uh, uh, to both sides of an argument and be able to make a, an honestly good decision that's good for me uh, without being uh, – you know, biased on either side and those kind of things. I learned every bit of that from this one person who, you know what, and she could have just said, look, you know what, you're an idiot. Get out of here. And that, that would have been the end of it. She just sent me to the office. I would have been running an engine late the rest of my life, oh. you know, wishing I could write songs and write books and things, you know, every day probably thinking about that it would have killed me. Instead, you know, she, she took me out, took the time to take me outside and dress me down, which I deserved uh, and, and, and fix, and fix me. And, and, you know, and that was, that was above and beyond the call of duty. And I don't know where she is. Would love to know where Dorothy Wilson is, if she's even still around. Yeah. You know, cause she was probably maybe 15 years older than us at the time, you know, maybe in her thirties. So, you know, she might not be around anymore, but, uh, but it, you know, that was, uh, that was life changing. And, and I and I and I think you know I, I think she, you know without being too dramatic I, I think she was an angel I think she was sent from God to to rescue me and you know I'm thankful for her dressed you down built you up yep changed your life absolutely we call that teaching yeah you know what it's and look and you know what when it's done right it it, it changes it again it's the same thing you know what and she knew I mean you know look I, I mean. She could have been doing anything. I mean, she had multiple degrees. She could have been practicing law somewhere or something. Here she is sitting in the room with a bunch of snot-nosed, smart aleck, you know, boys and girls, you know, and and you know what? I, I'm every every life that I've impacted in, in my life, Dorothy Wilson's had a hand in that. She and I don't even. I'd love to find her. It drives me crazy. I don't know where she is. Yeah, and you know what? It's it's so interesting because those experiences that you've had like that all play into your work now. Not your job, but your work. Like working with Steve and his book coming up, yep. um, I Believe in You, yep. which is really, you know, that, I mean, there, there's a story right there for the book. Because if she, you know, it, you can kind of build, you know, her actions are built on the presupposition that she believes in you, which is why she's taking the time to invest in you emotionally. So, so tell me this, because I, I need to know this. So, yeah. so I know that Steve did that for you. He did. Yeah. And so tell me, can, can you tell me about that? You have time? We have yeah. Time let's for that? Do, yeah. So, um, I decided that mm-hmm. I was going to, I was going to do what I have to do, which is share some experiences with teachers. And I, and I thought to myself, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go from school to school to school. I'm going to do professional development for teachers. I'm going to have this event. I'll take around the nation. And at the time it was called legendary teaching. And, um, which is what, what it is for me. Cause you know, I want to be in my, my mind. And I think every teacher, every teacher wants to be that person where the kid looks back 30 years from now, or in your case, 70 years from then, <laughs> look <laughs> back and say, you know what it was? It was Dorothy Wilson. That's who changed my life. Everything changed on the day that my cheeks at the seat in that classroom. And right. she showed up right. my whole life. It was a different trajectory. Mm-hmm. Where where now it's a whole new path, and where you've ended up, and and over time that trajectory, it, there's this huge difference, and so I, I was thinking, well, that's for me, that's called legendary teaching. I want to have that impact, and so that that's kind of where the thing started with, and so and and I would go to I, w- I would work on this thing, and I would go to school every day. I'd get up at four in the morning every day. And I'd be sitting at my desk at school in my double wide. You know, I was teaching in the portable building. Right. 
And we're overcrowded. Like every that year we had the year I started doing this, we had five thousand kids in the school. Five thousand. Now the school's built for like twenty two hundred or something. We had five thousand. So we have like eighty portable buildings. And you know, it's no coincidence that I'm the furthest one from the school. They know exactly who I am and what I'm doing. So they. So anytime that you're portable is between the soccer field, the baseball field, and the football team practice field. Yeah, it was hardly on the ground. No, exactly. Yeah. And um, anyway, so I'm 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 out there, and I would show up at five fifteen. And I let myself in. It's cold. There's no heater in that thing. There's me and there's rats running around up outside. And I would sit at that desk and I would grind it out. And, um, and, and, and when you do that, and sure, I had supportive people in my life. You know, my, my wife is very supportive. I had a couple of teachers I worked with at the school that was very, but I didn't tell anybody else what I was doing because, you know, it's not something I, I felt like I wanted to be to share because people would say, well, what, what, why you, what makes you so special? How come you're going to, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I didn't share it with everybody. And, and when you're stuck and you isolate yourself in this, in this situation where you, where you're trying to generate ideas and build something, you start asking yourself bad questions, which is what, which is what I call it. And anytime you ask yourself bad questions, you get bad answers. Like I started thinking, I, is is this really even possible? Why? I mean, what what makes me think that I can? I, I gosh, probably shouldn't even. What am I doing? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, and you get bad answers. Well, you probably shouldn't. I don't know what you're doing. Yours is ridiculous. You should probably just you know do it. Just have the job and do what you're told. And so, I would get I would get down in this funk, and I don't even know what I'm. You know, I just start questioning myself. What's the point of all this? And I was in that process where you have to come up with like a hundred bad ideas to get the one good one you're going to keep. And I'm on like bad idea number 75 and I still don't have a good idea. And, and then, and I would, you know, I would talk to my buddy Steve and Steve would come by the house and, um, he said, well, how are things going? I said, oh dude, it's awesome. It's great, man. And he said, no, really tell me. And I said, well, you know, <laughs> uh, well, uh, maybe, maybe not. Right. right. And so, yeah. and, and I would just kind of get it out there. <clears throat> And he and he'd say, you know what, man, you're the guy that's changing the world. You get that right. And I, I would I just look at him because I don't. I mean, he said, no, you're the one who's who's changing the world. Hmm. And he would he'd always put his hand on my shoulder, put his you know reach out his right hand, put it on top of my left shoulder, and you know he's a lot taller than me, just like everybody. And he would look down and he goes, hey, and I would you know I'd look up and he'd, and he'd look me right in the eye. And he goes, man, I totally believe in you. I believe in you. And that's how he would end the conversation. And and I'll tell you what, the next morning, it's a lot easier to get up at 4 a.m. It's a lot easier to get back in the double wide, and I would come up with some good ideas. Yeah. And it would last. Right. And 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 it seemed like it was, I mean, I, it, whether it's coincidence or fate or who knows what it is, but any time I was in that funk, you know, he would he, we would have another experience like that. Or even when he, we would meet people in public, we'd be hanging out, having a beer, and we would, we would meet some folks that maybe he knows. And he would introduce you know, what he'd say, hey, this is, my, this is my friend Hal. He's the guy that's changing the world, man. <laughs> and he would tell them all the work that we're doing with schools. And I'm thinking, man, I'll do it. I sit in my double wide for two hours in the morning <laughs> trying to put some ideas on the paper. That's what I'm doing. And so he would like build – he would like give me this reputation. I had to – in my mind, this expectation sure. and a reputation to live up to. And so – and listen, in, in, I mean since then we've we've gone into this Teach Like a Rockstar thing and kind of changed the packaging. It's the same content mm-hmm. as Legendary Teaching, but – 
but it's called teaching a rock star now simply because it works better and teachers want to go. And, and, but you know what, and there's a lot of people that have been just a hugely, uh, just impactful and, and, and arrest, you know, ingredients in that recipe for success. And without each one of those ingredients, I don't think the thing would ever happen, but I'm telling you that ingredient of the person that, that set doesn't just think it, but takes a moment to stop, put your hand on the shoulder, get your attention, shake you a little bit. So you look at them in the eye. And say, I believe in you. You know what? It's almost prophetic. It's almost prophetic. You know, we 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 become what who we think we are. You know, and and I and I'm not a person who believes you, you can do anything you want to. Hal, you could be you could be anything you want to be. I, I I totally disagree with that because spend ten minutes with me working on your car, and you go, you, you know. Maybe, maybe, you, maybe you're not a mechanic, right? Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, my joke is that, it, you know, how long it takes me to do something on your car is how long it takes an actual mechanic to do it times the number of musicians involved times five. Right. But, you know, so I don't think you can do anything you want to do, but, but there are, there, there is one or two things. There are a couple of things and maybe offshoots of those things that are, that, that, that are, are from the same branch in terms of talent and stuff, you are built to do them. And for have somebody come along and say, Hal, you are the man. You can do this. I mean, th- that's, that's prophetic. And to speak that into people's lives as opposed to what? The stuff that, w- that we get everywhere else? You know, I, I mean, it's almost like, you know, you, you, you climb out of the primordial soup and you start doing something great. And people pull you back in because they're like, who does he think he is? Who in the world? He lost his mind. He's, you know, he, he's just one of us. You know, he's just a North side Houston boy or whatever it is, yeah. you know, and, um, and you have to get past that. And, and I think, you know, obviously a great way to get past that is to have somebody in your life who will say it out loud. You know, that, that's, that's the power of words too, is that, you know what, there is something about saying it. That is, uh, and declaring it. One of the things I tell people when I do, I have a little, a little sermonette that I do about how we're all called to something. And, you know, one of the things I say, you know, I have this little thing that says, you know, so how do you start doing this? Well, the first thing I would say is, first of all, once you know what it is, declare it. You know, tell your wife, tell your friends, you know what, I, I'm going to do this. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is the right place for me to be, and I'm doing it. Well, there's something about saying it out loud yeah. that, that makes you go, Oh man, I got to do this now. You know, I told all these people that I'm going to do it. So I got to, now I got to, and I got to show up. I got to make this happen. Uh, and it works the other way. I mean, having somebody like Steve in your life that says, Hey man, I love you. You're the, you're the man, you know, there's, there's a, there's something about that. And I, I mean, then you feel like, man, I don't want to let this guy down. He thinks I'm the man, right, you know, right. And, and, and maybe I am after all, you know, and you kind of put your shoulders back and you sort of change, it changes our, you know, your, the way we look at what we're doing. Cause we think, if we're doing it by ourselves, we're we're freaking crazy. But if but if that guy who's a pretty sane, smart guy thinks I'm okay, I must be okay. You know, there there's a I'm I'm just went through this with in a in a with a songwriting um, thing. I won't go into all the details, but but a very famous songwriter, okay, a guy that I admire and love to pieces, a great guy. You know, he he heard something I was doing. Now, I've been writing songs now for 35 years. And you know what? And, you know, mostly I've heard them. You know, I mean, it's, none of them have ever been huge hits. You know, there have been little moments, but nothing great. Nothing nothing what you call great, you know. And this guy just shows up and says, oh, my God, 
you know what? That song, that worth my time song, that has the potential to be a great song. And you know what? I'm going to help you. I'm I'm going to, I'm not even going to get involved. I'm just going to be your editor and help you do it. You know, uh, it almost didn't matter at that point what happened with the song. It was more that here's a perfectly sane guy who could be doing this with anyone. He was writing with, you know, uh, Train last week and, uh, and uh, you know, the most famous writers in the world. And he, 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 thinks I, he thinks I can do this? I mean, that was, that put, there was a special pressure that was put on me at that point. I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy, either he's crazy, either he's lost it because he's getting old, or, you know, or he, I really can do this. And, and so, you know, I, I mean, everybody needs that. And I, I, I'm, again, back to what we talked about before. I just think most people don't have. I mean, you know, what a blessing. I mean, it's, they're, they're angels sent from heaven to show up and say, talk about changing the tra- trajectory of your life. Yeah. You know, and you don't, you know, what's cool is, is when the trajectory of your life changes, it doesn't happen in a vacuum. You know, it changes everybody's trajectory. Your kids, your wife, your friends, the people around you, other people who are walking around on eggshells going, oh my gosh, I hate to even tell anybody that I'm, that I think I'm called to do this thing or that I'm supposed to be doing something. I've been afraid to tell them, but look, look, Hal's out there doing it. So, you know what? So I'm going now, I'm, I'm, I'm jumping out and. I'm hoping this shoot opens, you know, that's, that's powerful. And, and I, I think it's, um, I, I, it makes life so much more interesting. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not sure that for most people, great achievement is even possible without a little bit of that somewhere in the, in, in the mix, in the recipe of success, yep, I agree. That, you know, because, you know, there's so much evidence for failure out there. Like, well, I've never done it before. I mean, look at you. Well, I've been writing songs for 35 years. I, I, you know, I mean, there's, there's so, if you look for, you know, ask yourself bad questions. If you, well, why would I? You know, there's so much evidence out there to not try or to, you know, I've already failed in the past or, well, they, they try, they didn't make it. You know, I mean, so there's all this stuff. But how interesting is it that there's this one person that believes in you and tells you? That it, it it what it does it erases all that other stuff. It totally does. And here here's the crazy part. And this is another another aspect of doing the things that you're supposed to do, is the timing is completely insane. If you had told me when I was 18 and wrote my first song, if you'd have said, "Listen, you know what? I got to tell you, you're gonna this is gonna be an avocation for you, but you better not stop doing it." Because you're going to hear, so I'm going to have it come to you when you're driving down the street. It's going to, you're never going to not hear songs. You're never going to not hear them, okay, for the rest of your life. And you, and you know what? And nobody, you, if you only put them in a drawer, you're still doing what you're supposed to. Just do it, okay? But by the way, <clears throat> 35 years later, somebody who you really respect is going to come along beside you and say, you know what? You know what you're doing, Okay. I don't I don't know if I could have I don't know if I would have I mean I've, I I couldn't stop doing it I couldn't not do it I mean it's like what you're doing B- but I don't know if I uh would have been as um hopeful all these years thinking man wouldn't it be great if one person would come along and tell me I'm okay I'm not nuts okay but but so so here's what I think happens I I think timing is really important I think you know th- there's no guarantee 
but this is going to happen quick. We live in a quick culture. You know, do it now. Give me instant coffee. Everything's got to be done this minute, okay? And so the guy stepped out. He was 14. He, he had a record deal when he was 15. He was playing stadiums when he was 15 and a half, okay? So that's what we talk about. That's the people we, we laud, right. you, you know? But is it any less valuable? I mean, is it any less valuable that some somebody else did it for 35 years and then all of a sudden somebody can't? So so we, it's it's easy because there's so much negative talk. It's so easy to stop before you, before it happens, you know, and, and I think that might even be the test for whether you're supposed to be doing it or not. You know, it is is uh, uh, if you can't keep going, if you can't get up and go to the to your to your double wide and do it at five o'clock in the morning when nobody is telling you that. Because, look, you know what? If it's what you're supposed to be doing, there will be people come along who say, you know what, Hal, you're awesome. You're, you're doing the right thing. It is going to happen. But it might not happen in your time. It may just happen when it happens. Yeah. And so in the meantime, what are you going to do? You know, and so and so so many people get stop right either right before their guy shows up or, or they stop you know along the way and they're miserable the rest of their life's like what are you doing just because you can't you know just because it hadn't happened yet doesn't mean it's not going to happen and by the way is there any joy in getting up every day and doing the thing you're supposed to be doing even if it's a, for an hour Absolutely, there is, you know, and so, so I, I you know, I, I think that's another thing is that, you know, we, patience is such a virtue that we don't talk about in our society much anymore because we want everything done right now. And I don't think, I don't think greatness happens overnight. It happens over time. And, um, I, you know, that's just the way I just, that's my opinion. And, you know, and, 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 uh, uh, because we're surrounded by naysayers, you know, I, I tell the story when I do this little sermonette, I talk about, you know, the story of Joseph in the Old Testament, you know, where the, the sheaves bowed down to him and, and then the stars bowed, you know, the stars showed up and he was the moon and all that stuff. Well, his brothers didn't like that. And, and you know, as soon as he was called, he was surrounded by naysayers. And I thought, you know what, that that's in Genesis, for heaven's sakes. You know what, we still have it. We still have it. We still have people around. So, you know, so how important is it to have one person? who says, you know what, Joseph, you're not crazy. You're going to do something great here. And by the way, the story of Joseph, he spent 10 years in jail. He, he, he was, he, all this happened when he was 17, and he didn't become the vice president of Egypt until he was 31. So 14 years later, and he had not one inkling in those 14 years, not one, that he was going to ever do anything great except that one moment when he had these dreams you know what? That's a great example of how it works. And, um, uh, you know, I don't want to quit before my time. Yeah. Still doing it. Music 35 years later. Yep. Play a song for us. I'd love to play a song. for Would you? you? Yes, I would. I'd love it. Let's do it. Stop this thing and do something different. Or what do I do? You're just going to, you're going to sit right there. I want to set it all up for you. Okay. Don't you worry. Okay. This is full service, baby. No, man. Are you, are you, uh, did you see my tech writer? It's pretty (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I got it. Right. Right. Uh, okay. All right. So so this is a uh this is a song about uh I really I thought I was writing this about my uh, grandson, but it really is a song about uh, single fathers. It's called uh, Love is on my side.
dropped him off in Sunday school Went to church like I always do And I went back and picked him up at 12.05 He handed me a picture he had Drawn of his sweet mom and me Though she's been gone for years He helped me see her through his eyes And he reminds me that God isn't finished with me yet And every day in ways I can't describe He lets me know Love it, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. That was awesome. Thank and for being here me. today, man. Wonderful. Lo- love being here. I like discussing all this stuff with you, man. Yeah. Invite me back sometime. We'll finish the story. When, when we're when we're both uh, financially all set, 
I'm not sure that's ever going to happen, but it's wishful thinking, man. I believe in you, brother. I believe, I believe, I believe in you too, man. But I, I uh, yeah, if we're going to wait until I'm financially all set, right? Um, let's let's just go ahead and do it before then. Maybe you better you know, do it just for safety. <laughs> be safe about this thing. Absolutely. Um, Thank you so much for everybody tuning in. Dennis Welch, what a what Thank a great guest. Me. Thank you. You're yeah. very welcome. Enjoyable. And um, again, thanks for all those folks we named at the beginning. Lang Freeman, Eric Jarvis, Rich Redmond, Ken Tandre, all playing a key role in putting this thing together. And we have Teaching a Rockstar shows coming up. We go out Sunday, hitting the road Sunday. We're going to be in, in uh, Marietta, Georgia on the uh, 5th. Then we go to Birmingham, Alabama on the 6th. New Orleans on the 7th. And then we're doing our Texas tour in January, uh, December, and then we're hitting Florida in January. And also January, we have a number of school in-services. And uh, so we'll see you out there on the road. Thanks so much, everybody. I appreciate you. Also, before we uh, leave, you know, I like to introduce uh, new music to everybody. So here is a little mood music. In case you're driving to work, listening, download it to your phone. You got to get in the right mood. Here's a guy uh, that that a rock star teacher alum. I believe I met her in Oakland. Her name is Debbie Babb, and she turns me on to great music. She's awesome and a great teacher. And she turned me on this cat named Jonathan Tyler. Out of Dallas, Jonathan Tyler and the Northern Lights, and and I just saw him live a couple of weeks ago at the uh, uh, Ziegenbach Music Fest here in Houston. I'm going to go see him uh, Friday night coming here in Houston uh, at Fitzgerald's on the uh, I believe it's the the tenth maybe. I have to check that out. And uh, but um, so here is uh, Jonathan Tyler. Have a great day. Thanks so much for all you do for the kids, the leaders of tomorrow, sitting in your classrooms today. I appreciate you so much. Take care. I heard from you, now you come round like on my door. Yeah, I don't know who you think I am or what you what you've heard before. But I ain't down for those crazy games of your downright gypsy ways. So take your laws and all your things and take them right back from where you came from. Take them right back from where you came.